there's one there's one thing, one dimension, as you all know, one precious jewel which is called Sangha, community. And uh, a retreat is one precious occasion for a Sangha to get together and um, help each other to develop the practice. Not long ago, I remember reading um, a passage from uh, writings of St. Thomas Aquinas, and he says, um, if we want to open uh, to divine things, we need peace and tranquility. And uh, what is it most appropriate to remove the obstacles to peace and tranquility. Mutual love is what is most appropriate to uh, overcome the obstacles to peace. Now this seems to be a very strong and poignant description of uh, Sangha. Um, this is a retreat for old yogis, so um, you all know that uh, I, my, uh, becomes soon in the meditation a very present, uh, uh, often obsessively so. Um, so when we hear that uh, we are here to uh, show mutual love, maybe if we are veterans, we. Uh, we start smiling and we, we, we remember how much we get sucked in our um, uh, true or not so true problems and how much we forget about other people. But this is one side of the picture. The other side is that we become more sensitive to other people in a retreat. As many of you, I'm sure, know, like when um, all of a sudden we uh, realize that the cushion um, next to us is empty and uh, we feel sorry. We uh, did not know the person who left, but we, um, we feel something like, oh, oh, he or she, was, was, it, was, was he, he, was it she, we don't even remember, but we... Uh, feel sorry that that uh, spot is empty. So there is, there is a, a, a silent contact, uh, a silent uh, mutual support which uh, establishes in a retreat. And of course it's very much helped uh, by the practice of each individual, by the practice and by the um, a very precious combination, which is the combination of discipline and, and gentleness. In other words, um, quietly uh, sticking to the rules of the retreat, and but at the same time having a, a very gentle attitude. Um, uh, an attitude of acceptance um, for ourselves and 
for the other people in the retreat, for the other yogis, for the, our fellow meditators. I don't know, I'm pretty tired and um, I flew over from Italy a few days ago, um, so far away from the place where I usually live and uh, from my family. I am very happy to be here and it's always like that. Whether it's a personal retreat, uh, whether I sit as a student, whether I sit as a teacher. Because doing Dharma together, doing Dharma, uh, is very important. Maybe this is something theoretical when we start practicing, but the more we uh, deepen our practice, the more this truth becomes uh, very. Uh, evident and clear. And seeing so many people coming for a nine-day retreat in a, in a hot summer, it's um, just beautiful. You know, it just nourishes the heart, gladdens the heart. When you teach Dharma, you uh, learn that you cannot take too many commitments because otherwise you die. But it's, uh, it's unpleasant to say, to say no, to say I can't, when there is a group of people, a group of uh, seekers who want to do a retreat. Because the more, as I was saying, the more we practice, the more we realize how incredibly important the practice is. So we feel sorry about not being able to take that uh, commitment. For the same reason that we feel very happy when we can take a commitment and, uh, and share the practice and the Dharma with uh, a numerous group of friends. It's often the case that we feel a lot of gratitude uh, when the retreat starts to, um, to develop, when, when, when retreat ends. But it's good if we start feeling gratitude right from the beginning if we uh, let ourselves be transparent, permeable, right from the beginning, even if we are tired, uh, maybe if we have not done many, if we feel anxious, or we think that um, they haven't given us a good room, all those sorts of things. Uh, but if we can just gently drop this kind of worry and uh, be open to the good fortune that we have right now in being here. You know, traditionally, um, coming into a retreat in uh, the Buddhist tradition is considered a, a sign of good karma, a good, uh, a good destiny. 
So uh, Joseph Goldstein won't say, don't blow it. <laughs> it, takes, it takes our cooperation. So on the one hand, there is good karma, fortune, grace, whatever you want to call it. And uh, this is one hand, and then it takes another hand. And of course, the, the mutual uh, respect, the mutual help, the, the support of the Sangha. It's interesting that the meaning of Dharma is holding, is support. Sangha is support, Dharma is support. And of course, Buddha, the uh, potential for enlightenment within each of us, is support. And feeling support means feeling trust. And trust fosters peace. Uh, sharing all this, again, uh, is not frequent. That's why I was talking of gratefulness. Gratefulness to one another, gratefulness to oneself, gratefulness to life and the universe and Dharma. At the beginning of a retreat, in this tradition, those who want to take refuge, go for refuge refugee in the Buddha, in the Dharma, and in the Sangha. The taking of refuges is an advanced practice. Because uh, when we start doing it, um, it cannot be, but um, on a superficial level. But the more we practice, the more refuges become something organic. And if you prefer using different names, I, mean, I, I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's so important. The idea is uh, having seen the suffering of our hearts, of our minds, and having an intuition that that is not the only reality, we take refuge uh, in something which is beyond the, our suffering mind. In other words, we take a vow um, to refrain more and more to take refuge into our fears and worries and uh, aversions and confusion and put our trust in a transcendent dimension. The transcendent dimension is not something abstract, it's the core of the practice. So we commit ourselves to the practice when we take refuges. 
our potential for enlightenment, the practice and its truth, awakening and the way to awakening, and the friends and companions in this enterprise. And we support the refugees with the precepts, the five precepts. The first two precepts mean an integral respect for life, not killing, not taking what is not given, deepening respect for what is alive, for whatever is alive, and deepening respect for objects, for everything. The practice aims at universal uh, uh, respect. And the third precept in the context of the retreat is uh, refraining from sexual activities, which is a form of silence. You know that one of the rules, maybe the main rule of the, the, this kind of retreats is silence, all kind of silence, uh, an attempt at mental silence through meditation, and then verbal silence, but also not reading, not writing, except maybe a few notes. So the third precept is another form of precept, uh, is another form of silence, of keeping quiet and open, and also of activating awareness when desire arises. We will never uh, penetrate desire if if we just act it out. This is a general rule. This not, uh, has to do with any form of uh, desire or attachment. And then uh, the fourth precept is right speech, silence. We've already mentioned it, except for interviews, except for maybe short communication when you do your yogi job, yogi work. And then the fifth precept is uh, not taking uh, intoxicants or alcohol. Again, another form of silence. Another, another form of taking care uh, gently, tenderly of our mind instead of uh, stirring, agitating, just letting things subside. The peace, the inner peace, is the basis of inner work. Uh, sometimes people talk about mindfulness as as though it was something which we could uh, use um, without at least some peace. That's not the case. So let us help each other in many ways, obvious and less obvious, to search for what really counts, for peace, for trust, 
for understanding, for awareness. Larry would like to say something. I look around, I see many familiar faces, some very familiar faces. Uh, when I was growing up, there was a TV program called This Is Your Life. I don't know if you remember it. They would, those of you who were around then, uh, per, someone would round up friends and significant people secretly, and then this person suddenly would be surrounded by an army of people from the past, and uh, would usually be interesting. Also, Corrado and I, this is our tenth year that we've been doing this. I think we're kind of stuck in a bit of a rut. <laughs> I don't think we're bored with each other yet. We don't fight or argue. He gets off the plane, I meet him, we start right in, uh, as if a whole year, it's just where we left off. Same old stuff. <laughs> Slightly different twists because a year has gone by, but it's really the same. So I hope that um, an advantage of having all of us having practice under our belt is that we can take certain things for granted, not, a, not in a dead, deadening way, <clears throat> that is, we can assume a high level of motivation and a willingness to work with what turns up and a, a real interest in working together to make these uh, days that we have, uh, really valuable ones for all of us. Uh, that means not only the harmony that is obvious, that is all of us sort of rowing in the same, in a big boat rowing in the same direction, but even when it isn't that way, when the people behave in ways that irritate us or throw us off or disappoint us, um, right from the beginning, understanding that that's just as valuable and sometimes more valuable as the materials out of which we, with which we practice. So it's a commitment to always turn things in the direction of understanding and letting go. Understanding and letting go. And if we all do that, my goodness, the, the power of our combined motivation uh, plus the kindness of understanding that uh, all of us will be hot sometimes, all of us will not want to be here sometimes, even though we've been perhaps excited about coming here. You know, that will change. You do know that, right? <laughs> In fact, a good uh, way to begin is to take stock of whatever baggage you may have come here with. 
perhaps it's a particular problem that you thought you could work through. Perhaps it's a decision that you have to make. Perhaps it's something that uh, is lingering and that it's time to let go of it and you figure that, well, all of this uninterrupted practice, you'll definitely be able to let go of it. Or some New Year's resolution about how good you're going to be. Or sometimes people come and the practice is really flowering uh, and perhaps we're only sitting an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. And then we kind of uh, intentionally or unconsciously add up all the hours that we're going to be sitting here and realize, my goodness, if the practice is flowering, with just a morning sitting or an evening sitting, just multiply that by, I don't know, hundreds. Or perhaps some of you, I know some of you are new here, maybe you're a little nervous. Enthusiastic, excited, frightened, I don't know what, but usually the mind has something that uh, it gets out of the car with and comes to the, to the retreat. Uh, it's not to banish it, but it's very helpful right from the moment we begin the formal practice to just see it, see if there is any kind of uh, agenda that we have, see it and let it go, uh, because probably it's synonymous with suffering, if not in this moment, in some subsequent moment during the retreat. The emphasis on the retreat, as you know, will be on the way it is. And you're going to hear some of the same old phrases over and over again. I feel that our job is a simple but difficult one. It's to bring you back to this moment over and over and over again. And the mind uh, hankers for certain kinds of mind moments and is averse to other kinds of mind moments. And Of course we've come here wanting something valuable to happen and prefer to have uh, the sweetness of a peaceful sitting, the joy of a peaceful sitting, or to really begin to understand things big time. And yet the emphasis that we'll be delivering in an unrelenting way is how is it for you right now? So it's not to get a particular mind state, but rather to be with the mind state that you have. Whether you want it, don't want it, love it, hate it, that would be the fact of the moment. And as we know, the mind so often uh, loves the that which is non-fact, what it can imagine life could be. So we'll be coming back to these ordinary moments over and over and over again. And we'll be learning to be intimate with them. Sounds good when it's peaceful and the breath feels like silk or satin. But what about those sittings when there's restlessness, when there's annoyance, when there's impatience? Can we be intimate with the way it is then? And so our encouragement is going to be along those lines of seeing into the way it is now and more and more understanding that so that we are free in this moment. We can begin the formal practice 
You know, uh, if you like, take a moment or two to stand up and stretch. You've been sitting, uh, listening to Ken and Corrado and now this. I'd like, if you wiggle a little, stretch, whatever, then we can sit for a while. We're going to have the instructions and then also some sitting meditation. Let's settle into what is as comfortable and stable a posture as you can manage, whether it be a bench or a chair, kneeling, sitting cross-legged. The sitting posture is helped if you keep in mind two dimensions of sitting. One is, ideally, can the posture be stable and also comfortable, both. We know that uh, when both are there, we have a foundation that that's provides us with the basis for uh, our awareness and mindfulness practice. And perhaps we never reach perfect stability and perfect comfort, but just ease into it. See if you can find some way that suits you, and yet has some dignity in it. Because to sit is an expressive act. You're saying something with your body when you sit. And of course, notice our old friend, the breath. Fortunately, it's still here, coming in and going out. Can we allow it to do that? Can we let the breath come in and go out in the way in which it wants to? whether the breath is deep or shallow, or fine or coarse. Whether it's joyous or or not, comfortable or not, can it be enough? However the breath is, can that be just fine? And when it isn't, when we find ourselves balking at the way the breath is, can we see that, let it go, and come back to the breathing as it is. Opening up, fully receiving each in-breath. And fully permitting each out-breath to leave. They go together when we can let the the breath leave, then there's room for that which is new and fresh for the next in-breath. Nature has structured it this way. It's not a method. So can we feel each in-breath and out-breath
come to rest in the breathing. And as we all know, the mind very definitely has a mind of its own. And even though you just heard these instructions, you may find that the mind prefers to be elsewhere. And so something emerges from the mind and we find ourselves running after it or pushing it away, or stuck in some way. Just see it. And ease back to the in-breath and the out-breath. How we come back is vital. without any judgment, without any blame, just rejoining the breathing once again.
just sitting and breathing and knowing it. If thoughts come, let them. They leave on their own. The same with other mental productions, images, and so forth. So we're not struggling with anything. Although the breath is featured, we permit everything else to just come and go naturally, as it will. And we just come to rest in the breathing. We're not trying to make the mind settle down and become peaceful. But we're trying to Help it, allow it to do so, which it will naturally. If we can attend to the breath and peacefully coexist with all that's other than breath.
Where are you right now? If you're away, please come back.
Let's all get a good night's rest, settle down, settle in rather. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.